Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between, and welcome to The Hollywood Fishbowl. I am your host, Jesse Kester, and this is the third inaugural episode of 2019. Are we going to be doing this type of cadence for the rest of the episode? No, we are not. And also, don't expect many more of those uh, rhetorical yes-no questions with the answer given immediately afterwards. It's a device that I don't think works outside of Babe Pig in the City. Anyway, this episode is the interview with my older sister, Emily, whom I love dearly. This is not a light episode. We get into a lot of... A lot of this, that, and the other. The other, of course, being suicide. That's the, probably the the third third of this episode is mostly about suicide, how we understand it, how she and I relate to it, how we relate to each other. Um, and it's 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 heavy. It's heavy, but I think it's rewarding. I I just re-listened to this entire episode in anticipation of this intro recording, and um. No regrets. <laughs> not, not the most glowing review of a 90-minute podcast in the history of mankind. No regrets. But I think there's a lot a lot to recommend it and a lot of benefit that can be had if you listen to how we talk to each other. This will come up again in the series, the idea that there is some on the spectrum in our family. And sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't come out. Through me, I mean. This is an episode where I would say that, yes, it does come out. Um, The way Emily relates to the world seems to pull out the spectrum sides of how I relate to the world. That's the, the quickest shorthand I can use with her is when I engage the world in those ways inside of me. That's all very cryptic, and I think you should be listening. I think you should be looking forward to the fourth and final episode of this series because that was the real linchpin of all these conversations. Maybe, maybe even of the entire Hollywood fishbowl. When you hear how my father and I engage with each other and how my father engages with the world, I think you'll understand a lot of of what might be what might be i don't know confusing to some people or off-putting to some people or what there there are parts of me that 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 i feel are different from how the average person engages with the world you'll hear a fair bit of that on this episode and you'll hear a fair bit more in episode 4 with my father and maybe maybe all of it maybe it's all unescapable maybe everything is in fact everything this is hardly turning out to be the year with minimal ado. Look at all that ado I just gave to you. But I'm not giving you any more. That's it. We're done. Without further ado, I give to you, Emily Kester. Drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo! Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am your host, Jesse Kester, and today we are joined by the one, the only, the very illustrious... Emily Kester. My older sister. Welcome to the program. How have you been? Uh, fine. Cool. <laughs> Music's just gonna keep going for another minute. Any follow-up on that? 
answer. That was like the, the practice question. How yep. was your day? And it's Morpheus is done fighting Neo, and I, I, I hope it hasn't set the tone for this entire conversation. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. You, do you know, are you aware of five and five? Uh, is that the no no a couple a couple answers in a couple minutes is that it that's the that's one it. so okay. I'm, you have five questions each answer has one minute there's going to be beeps to tell you to stop answering oh this is like high pressure very very high pressure very high pressure the good news is if i get the how is your day and i could just say fine then yeah what gold yeah you're gonna i'm sure you're gonna make it within the time limit that's the first good news <laughs> The second is, all the questions are about the topic of which you are an expert, you. Oh. So you've got a competitive edge on this five and five. And you're not scoring, right? Like, you're not going to hold up a card no. that's like, that was a one. No, no, That no, was no, so no, bad. No, no, but I do keep track. I'll tell you after off okay. mic how right. well you did or didn't do. Are you ready? You are going to grade it. Good. For five and five. Yes. That's what the beeps sound like. Uh, should I have gotten a question yet? Question one. Okay. Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? Uh, I grew up mostly in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, but I grew up in a lot of different houses. And I think that really informed who I am as an adult. How moving many, as Did often. you ever do the count through the cave house? Like That's kind of where I end the, the genesis of, I of think, moving. I think I did. And um, actually, I did recently for, for a uh, federal security clearance where I was supposed to track all of the places that I've lived in the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I went back. Why not just, like, why not just go back? And I'm, I know it was over 18 houses in 18 years. Yeah. But I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was. There were yeah. some houses we'd spend you know, 16 months in or 18 months right. in. Right. And if I was counting the staying at someone's house for a couple months or living at pop-up's house for a couple months or yeah. all of that yeah. all together. Yeah. The farmhouse was the longest maybe? I have child? No, 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 no. Maybe the Kutztown. Walnut, West Walnut. Yeah. I guess that's all we get to talk about that on. Next question, please. <laughs> question number two. What is the must-engage media, the book, the movie, the album that opened up the secrets of the universe to your brain? Oh, you know what? I've heard you ask this question before to other people, and I thought I should probably think of this before mm -hmm. I go and answer it, and I didn't spend any time making a plan. Um, so I don't have one. I'm just filling in time right now while I think. Why don't you just name some things that you liked? Things that I liked. Things that informed... Uh, you want me to do it for you? <laughs> what, what do you think are the things that informed my life, I'm little brother? I'm going to guess Laurie Anderson might be on the list. I'm going to guess Princess Bride and Holy Grail might be on the list. Um, and that's as far as I'd be willing Doctor to. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor Who, definitely. I um, Revelation happened. Muppet Show. The Muppet yes, Show. Yes, that's that. yes. That's a, one must-engage media, Muppet Show. Old ones. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah, Done. <laughs> you are doing fine. Oh, okay, I'll relax. Question number three. What is your greatest source of joy in life? People. Just the people. I love the people. Humans are amazing. You know who's going to like this episode is mom. She's going to really like that answer. I like my family. I like the people I don't know. I like the, the strangers that I meet. I like... I like sitting on the plane and, and somebody asking me, oh, can you move? Um, because because my, my partner here, he's 
it's his first time on the plane. And I look up and it's like this, this couple is like 60 something and they're both real nervous. And one of them is first time on the plane. I, I love people. I love connecting with people. Yeah. Mom's going to love this. It episode. always makes me hopeful. And, hey, Selena, how are you going to top that one? <laughs> it's not a competition. Hope isn't a competition, little brother. <laughs> or joy. <laughs> or joy. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for question number four? Sure. You're on a roll. <laughs> we, we must have practice talking to each other. <laughs> it's almost as if we've done this before. What gets under your skin? Mean people. <laughs> we have a sound effect just for that answer. <laughs> Do you care to elaborate or would you like to forfeit your I, remaining I think, 30 seconds? I think the entire audience understands what mean people are. Yep. Okay. <laughs> then moving on. Are you ready for the last question? Sure, yes. All right. Then here it comes. Question five, what is the best advice you've received and what is the best advice that comes from your brain that you want out in the world? Huh. Oh, that's a tough one. The, hmm. I might, I might fail to answer this in one minute. That's okay. You realize all of it's arbitrary that this... <laughs> oh, no, I've got it. It's the same both ways. Okay. The best advice I've ever get and the best I could give is stay curious. Oh, okay. Where'd you hear that? Somewhere. Oh. Somebody said that. Okay. <laughs> Good on them. <laughs> yeah. It's just two words. Yeah, I've got no follow-up questions <laughs> except for the many that are coming after we end five and five. Is it okay if we end five and five? That sounds good. You you won. I won the game. You did five and five beautifully well. Can we slow things down? Like not do ever. No more beeping. Seconds. No yeah, more beeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No please. more no more oral assaults. I'm gonna if, have some tea. Please do. That's that's why it's there. Let's back up. Was I the best brother imaginable? Of of all of the brothers that I have, you of, were the worst brother. Wow. And also the best brother. Wow. You were the tallest brother and the shortest brother. <laughs> and depending on if you're going with time, I could also be the tallest brother and the shortest brother. Like when I was the shortest <laughs> when I was five or something you compared shorter, to now. Compared you to you now. When you were two than when you were five, I guarantee it. <laughs> no, but I mean like now I'm tallest, but also if you include oh, yes. the past, I'm short yes. I'm taller and shorter than you now, if you forget time. One once upon a time I was the tallest, now I am the shortest of Are you? Is Selena? Selena is taller than I am. Ha 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 ha. If we ganged Mom up on you tells me that she's taller than me. But Does, she is not. Isn't she gonna be shrinking soon? Uh, she, Let's <laughs> see how long that lasts. <laughs> We're all going to shrink eventually. So, follow-up question. What was the best thing about me growing up? What let's I'm joking. This was not really the interview. Um The best thing? No, here's a great a great answer to that question. You you were always happy to sit in the middle in the car. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. That was fantastic. I appreciated it for years and years and years. You got the panoramic view out the front. <laughs> it was the most Second, first place is front seat passenger. Yeah. Second place is middle seat. Third place are the wings. Oh. Didn't you realize? No. For Didn't me, you do the for math me, on that? For me, first place is the passenger side wing. 
Okay. Second place is The Way Back. Oh, and like in the trunk or something. Yeah. All right. This Third is... place is behind the driver's side wing. Fourth place is the middle. The wow. middle is the last. We made a heck of a team. This yeah. is why you and I didn't fight and Selena and I. <laughs> what? I don't know. You were born in Riverside, weren't you? Yep. You were conceived in Texas, weren't you? That's what I've heard. <laughs> I don't really remember California as a kid. Do you I remember? I do remember a mud puddle. That's all I remember of California as a kid was a mud puddle. I have one memory of California. Oh, and a bank. And you cookies. mind if I, how, where are you on spiders? Do you want me to kill the spider that I'm is seeing? Is it on or my not? head? No, no, no. It's behind your head. Is it on the are air? You, are you as, uh, like, are you as a defender of mind. spider rights? Okay. I do whatever you need to do. <laughs> wow. That was really loud. <laughs> well, that murder was really loud. <laughs> it has to work on radio. That's the thing. <laughs> I could have done it with a roll of toilet paper and it would have been uh, feather murder, soft. That murder was unnecessary. It, it, and to, I don't know. <laughs> when let's, you say it like that. Let's just move on. <laughs> I get little like welts. Like there's some something biting me in my sleep. that, And I think they're spiders. Uh, Therefore, all spiders should die. I hope you don't have bed bugs. No, no, no. I don't have. Okay. This is a great interview. <laughs> how many? How I don't many? think you're going to classify this one as professional. No. <laughs> so I falling apart. I don't know. Like I, you and I looked up to you, and you were autonomous. You were always the most autonomous of all of us children, and that includes Jake and Will. I looked up to you about your ability to use language. No. Yeah. I was bad at you were older than me. You were better than me at all of that stuff. I don't I didn't think so. What was I doing with language? Nothing. Talking. I can tell I do Writing. Wanna, do you want to hear the joke I told when I was little? Uh sure. Knock knock. Who's there? Joke. That's the end. Please don't say joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Cause I got nothing after that. I mean you that was, you were really little. You had good jokes when you were really little, but whatever. I mean, like when <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> no, like uh, you're just really smart at coming back with responses, whereas I'm someone who sort of has to sit and like percolate on something before answering. You never were, and I, I admired that when when we were kids. I'm just going through all my memories of you, and most of them were spent off to the side reading or watching. And occasionally leading a Lord of the Rings style expedition into the woods around the house. Do you realize how how close we were growing up together? Like all like in proximity, like space wise, like we we'd never had a whole lot of space. If you look at old photos, it's just like if there's five kids in the picture, we're all practically sitting on top of each other. It's not because somebody said I'm going to take a picture. It's because yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the Topton house. The Kempton house, we had a lot of space. Like, we could run around outside, and the, the living room was huge there. You remember? But once the we Kempton, got... Yeah, but if you look at the pictures of us inside, we're all sitting on the same chair. And like, then again, we... <laughs> I was like two and a half feet tall, so everything was huge. If we go back there, it might not feel yeah, quite as big. Yeah, the house isn't that big. As it did when I was three or four or whatever. But, yeah. But then the... the, the I don't remember the Mertztown house. I do remember... I have some memory of the Topton house. The Mertztown house that was the one next to the highway? The right. one... No, 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 no. The Mertztown is the one that uh, you built the snow fort in. In the house. And the neighbor would watch... <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it was the kerosene heater. It was the, by the, the, kerosene. The, the railroad tracks. It was that one... You should be old enough to have memories of that one. I just forget which one is Mertztown. 
I it's, probably have memories of the house. I can't. Yeah, yeah. It's the one down by the train tracks, and then Dad got a house the, across the street train later tracks on. All the time. The the house across the street. Dad got that, and that's oh, where he gave oh, me oh. the Will Smith yeah, tape. Yeah, the, the house where you the house where you ate a poisonous mushroom, and Mom didn't have a car. Yes, that one. Yes, I think we cover that one on Mom's episode. Actually, <laughs> it, was, it, it was might have come up. Probably one of the most traumatic things of her entire life. So I can see why that would. <laughs> I still don't eat mushrooms because of that day. That good call <laughs> has affected me at a, at a core level. You're not missing a whole lot. No, they're just like gooey. No, the only thing I remember. Well, no, I remember there were ducks in the closet at one point ducks i think there were ducks i think we had baby ducks quackers in the house. yeah like jake found the broken arm duck at the at the allentown maybe. lake yeah maybe that was quackers and that's where he learned how to honk like a duck that would terrify and one time the there parents. were um there were it was trick-or-treating and kids came trick-or-treating and mom gave them like carrots and apples and stuff and they threw them at our house <laughs> What's the story where maybe we shouldn't where dad told the neighbor kids at the at Alex's house to stop smoking so they put like meat in his car to rot or something? Do you know that? Something like that. He's, Don't tell us to not smoke. He scolded all the neighborhood kids you. about smoking and then they got revenge on him. Kids are horrible. But what did, I I don't know, like what did it feel like to be you? I I lived inside books a lot. I remember that. I loved to read. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was that was like a big a big thing. I don't really know what I was escaping from. I don't know if it was escapism or just like fascinated with the stories and the words and the imaginary world. I don't feel like I had much of a life to escape from. Like I wasn't running away from anything. It just was no. really books were se- seriously interesting. I don't know. You know. <clears throat> even now I feel like you keep one foot out of reality and I don't mean that in a cold way or like a distancing way but you're when you talk so like we've been talking for the last couple of days and there's sometimes that you'll say things to me that I you're don't like, understand I don't, I don't think like, you're entirely in reality <laughs> like you'll you that, that really sounds like an insult I'm does it yeah yeah you no, should be really no. careful how you you're I don't mean it like that at all. I really don't. I mean it like you have made 17 logical steps that I'm unaware of, and you're giving me information at point 18. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll, you'll say a sentence that, that is down the food chain from where, where I'm aware of. And the only way that, I, that, that anyone would get to that point of saying that thing is if they might not, exist, might not know that you exist as an independent creature. Let me creature. rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. You don't have both feet in my reality. Like you're, you're ahead, you're working ahead a lot of the time. Does that make I, more sense? Yes. I have one foot that in, is in your own personal private, in my own personal private. That's what reality. I mean. That's yes. what I mean by that. I, I, did, and I that. didn't mean to be insulting at all. Yeah. No, actually I, that, I, I think that that's true. Okay. So at least we can agree on that. Yes. And I think that I have to work to, um, uh, translate, yes. tra- translate from my reality to the realities I'm also walking in. And I feel like. I think dad has more experience. Like he'll, he, he jumps ahead those 18 paces. I like, he'll say things that are 18 steps ahead of where I am, but the way he'll, he'll frame it or give it context will make, make it easier for me to understand it. Does that make any sense? I think so. Like, I think this is a, a thing that you got from dad more than from mom yeah. is this, this ability to ju- the, like your brain is moving ahead and ahead and step by step coming to these conclusions and losing yeah. some of the context along the way when you verbalize it. 
Is that fair? That makes sense. And I'm thinking that it is about it. It's something that's similar to dad's communication because it's something that when I'm just talking with dad, we jump steps. He's jumping steps. I'm jumping steps. We very rarely have to check in about what we're talking about. That's the thing. That's that's a very key element that you verbalized that I didn't have the words for is that I the conversations we have where you lose me. I feel like if you were talking to dad, he'd have no trouble. Like he'd be right there along on the same Sure. Or able to keep pace or or, uh, interpolate the context that I'm not interpolating. So as a child, half of my adult reality was totally able to follow that and half maybe was not. So why would I adapt? (laughs) (laughs) It's like 50% of the world can follow along with me. When you're you're talking to dad, it doesn't, he's able to engage you in that way. (laughs) Oh, I've got some homework. (laughs) I'm sorry. We have nothing but fun on the Hollywood fishbowl. But it makes me it makes me jealous of your brain. Like I wish I was able to keep pace in that way. Huh. I think Swinky's gonna enjoy this too. This 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 episode. This episode? Yeah, I think. I think mom's in the bag, dad's in the bag, and Swinky's in the bag. We got a real small audience for this one. Still not sure if Selena will be on board. (laughs) So, uh, drama club. Drama club. I don't know. I frame I frame a lot of my understanding of you through my uh, my childhood, like really looking up to you. And I don't think you could ever possibly comprehend like how cool you and your friends were. In my eyes. OK, there's no question in there, is there? Uh, not yet, but, but I feel like there's one coming. But I, no, there is none. No. There's it's just the thoughts of like that that you were into fantasy, you were into wizards and warlocks. So I thought that was cool. Do you remember like in Topton, you would write maps on the sidewalk. You'd use chalk to say like, now take ye three paces forward. <laughs> and I should I should do maps for Steve. Steve loves maps. Oh, he'd have so much fun. And then, it, you know, it'd be like to find, you'd hide a magic wand somewhere in Topton and put instructions on the sidewalk right. remember, for me to find. Remember in the world when children that were really young could just sort of wander around the streets? <laughs> <laughs> the mean streets of Topton. <laughs> it's pretty bad down there now. I, yeah, I always, at no point in my life have I not believed in magic. What, can you define magic? No. So that I can... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of those things that's just living in my independent reality that's that's too many steps away to, okay. to give words to. Because I'd love... But whatever it is, I never not be- believed in it. I'd love to agree with you. The, the game of this podcast is that I never disagree with the guest while also... <laughs> <laughs> that part's easy. It's while also staying true to my core beliefs. Oh, that's a good, that's a good practice. So I want to find some inroad to see how you view magic that I can make it work in my own mind too. Cause you know, I'm very like cynical. So like I, there's not a single part of my core being that believes in anything except it. it I'm pretty suspect of the physical world as well. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's, that's sort of essential to, to my belief that magic is possible is is that the physical world may not actually be any more not real or real okay see like that that's all i needed and now we're on the same page 
But in in so far as this world exists, maybe, maybe not, magic exists. Just a, a dead silence thought. That's fine. There's no rush. There was no question either. I'm not. No, quite. it's not. An, it's a, who gives a shit. <laughs> if we sat literally for the next 20 minutes in dead silence, thinking about magic and the real world and the audience had to sort it out for themselves over the, that would be yeah. fine with me. Like, oh, okay. Okay. This isn't audience. This isn't about you. Yeah. This one <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do 52 for you and then one for me. <laughs> and this one's for me. And then you got into drama club, so I wanted to be in drama club. And I here's the thing I don't understand is all the stuff that Selena did that I tried to do, everything that I did that she would copy drove me insane. And everything that you did that I would copy, you were just like, cool, okay. I Like, it never even occurred sure. to you that, that I was trying to emulate you by joining drama club. Oh, that's something that's still, that, that that's a thing about me that, that sometimes gets in the way. So I really don't. I don't take anything that anybody, like other people's choices, I don't take them personally. Even when they're intended to be taken personally, I just don't. So like, if, um, uh, and then, I, I don't know, like with, with the job that I have, if somebody decides they want a different job, it's like, good, good choice. It's your choice. It's just, it doesn't have anything to do with me. But like, even in that sentence, that really betrays the, 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 um, like the the blueprint for how you can get eighteen thoughts ahead. What's that? Oh, the the idea that that you it doesn't matter. Like other people's decisions aren't based on your on my universe. Yeah, right. yeah. So if you choose to go to drama club, but that like that fantastic. very that 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 essential part of your being would allow for you to make eighteen thoughts. Like you can, oh, because I'm not, I'm not tracking all of the other yeah, static. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're so measuring. Important you're so not measuring people. your internal universe against other universes, or other universes against your internal universe, and then that that that's like a perfect culture for that. Sure, sure. It's like it's like if somebody's uh, uh, somebody says, um, I'm not like someone's. Uh, experience hallucinations and they're like, I don't know if this is real or not. Like my question is, it, does it bother you? Not, is it yeah. real? It's like, how, how is it making your life harder? Like with, if I'm working with a client who's, who's has, has delusions and, and hallucinations, it doesn't matter to me whether it's real or not. Like I, I don't have anything invested in that, <laughs> but I do have something invested in, in whether somebody is comfortable moving through the world and whether yeah. there's any way that they can, they can be easier moving through the world. I have a very specific, would you, before we get into my specific question, would you explain to um, mom, dad, and Selena, what you, and anyone else who's hung anyone out on this else episode, who's still here. Uh, like what, what you do for a living, what your job is? Ah, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Glad I asked. <laughs> it's too complicated to Can be able to the, do quickly. Can you give the simple? Uh, I, I work with people who have a lot of different types of health conditions, including mental health things and addiction and just a lot of uh, uh, people who have a lot of chronic, uh, chronic health conditions, a lot of uh, uh, trauma in their past. Um, and your work is trying to make, trying to make their days easier or like not easier. So, so my actual job, like what, I, what I get counted as doing 
good at or not doing good at is is uh, helping people have better health outcomes. Okay. Whatever that means for them. Okay. So just being like a, a backup helper. So part of your job is figuring out what better health outcomes are, like defining yeah. your job case by yeah, case, it yeah. can change. Uh, helping, and- so the, the, the person that I'm working with actually is the one who defines what health outcomes they're looking for. So someone might say, uh, I, I want to be able to, um, like uh, going outside is scary for me and I have severe social anxiety. I would like to uh, go outside and interact with people more. So then we'll be like, that's great. That, okay. That'll be a goal. Or okay. somebody might also say, um, I haven't, I haven't followed up on my physical health stuff for 15 years. I want to get up to date with everything. Like, okay, well, that's a great goal. I think a big question that comes up in that kind of work is like, how do you, how do you stay yourself when you're investing in other people, but if you're naturally inclined to be yourself, right? <laughs> yes, it's not like a, you're not absorbing trauma. It's not an overload of empathy or something like that. Right. I'm. I have a lot of compassion. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that I have a whole lot of empathy. Okay. I don't feel so. If somebody's feeling something strongly, it's, I don't also feel that. I don't. I don't pick up emotions that way. That's okay. No, no, it That's, makes it easy. It yeah. makes it, it it makes me better suited for the work that I do because I can sit in a room with someone who's who's falling apart at the seams and and not. I just remain solid. I don't have to work at remaining solid. Yeah. It's just my natural state. I'm really I Wow, and I don't want to get into specifics, but one of the things you were talking about this whole trip is um the like you are empathetic to yourself. Um, not, that's not what you were talking about, but, but the stresses around your job are related to yourself in relationship to your job, right. not, not, right. Uh, not yeah. your, not other people in relationship to you, but how you right. relate to your, your, the tasks you're assigned. So, but uh, the, yeah. the, the other thing that occurred to me is, um, one of the conversations Swinky and I have a lot is that I, I am not an empathetic person and I really appreciate you delineating that you can be compassionate without empathy. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not. That's something I'm, that I thought about a lot because because I, I definitely feel compassion and, and very strongly. Yeah, yeah, and I'm fundamentally not very empathetic. Like I'm not very yeah. interested in how other people are feeling, but I am. But I do feel like I have a high compassionate quotient. Right, right. And so if I'm not interested in how other people feel, especially about how people feel about me, then then I can just have more freedom to be myself. And then, but I do have to remember to check in with the people I love the most and, and find out if I'm hurting them because I might not notice. And to clarify, I am fast. I'm very interested in how people feel, but I'm not invest. I don't invest yes. myself emotionally. I'm the, the whole Hollywood fishbowl is like a weekly exercise in listening to how other people move through the world. That's like the core yes, of it. Yes. I'm very curious about yeah. how other people experience things, feel, think choose. And I wonder uh, if that curiosity is directly connected to uh, just a fundamental lack of empathy. That that sounds like a good um, research project. I'll get on it. Okay. <laughs> if I ever go I've been and researching PhD, it for the last 37 years, just so you know. <laughs> but the question I had was, um, we were watching 12 Monkeys, oh, and yeah. I started to think about schizophrenia. And I started to think about like when when I'm thinking, I think a sentence at the speed it takes about to say a word or two. 
my the way a sentence sounds in my head sounds very very fast if you if you were to run a stopwatch the time it takes to think a full sentence is much much quicker than it takes to say a full sentence do uh, is and i started to think about like if if my brain was thinking at the speed that people talk instead of at the speed that people that i think it would immediately become very very indistinguishable i'm not sure so i i think that in general the research for 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 the the average person um and i think it's probably different might be different for you but there's a difference between how how fast we can write how fast we can read how fast we can talk and how fast we can think mm-hmm. and so um and and it's usually uh the slowest one is writing then speaking then reading then thinking is the fastest so every time you jump down a step it's going to take longer to to make the noise but that uh, that might not be true true for you you think that you you think slower than you no no no. i think faster faster. so in the time it takes you to say two words i've thought a sentence and i'm not saying like i'm a super i'm just saying that's like the speed the brain the brain works at a wild speed and it's not linear in in our in our brains we don't think linearly we think we think network but when i'm hearing a sentence like if i'm thinking out words in a sense it'll happen very quickly but if that happened in the time it took to say a sentence it would be very very confusing and i wouldn't know if it was something i heard or something I thought. Because it's so fast, my brain knows this is an internal sentence. And I wonder, right. like, yeah. in the, if I ran a stopwatch on how long it takes me to think a sentence, and if a schizophrenic person ran a stopwatch on how long it took them to hear somebody in their head say something to them, would their stopwatch reflect more the time it takes for an average person to think, or would it be closer to how long it takes an average person to speak? And you don't have to have an answer. I don't know it was the just answer. A- my my theory on that, or my guess, would be that if if I was hearing voices, that the speed of the voice that I'm hearing would be the speed of a spoken word. That's what I would think too. And if my brain thought at that speed, I would be lost. I would I. It would be very hard for me to differentiate between what I'm thinking and what I hear. And anyway, that was all I was thinking. And there's no real question embedded in there. Okay. Cool. Well, now, now I'm thinking, now I'm just thinking about thinking, which is sort of a, 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 a big mess of tangle. To, yeah, and it doesn't do <laughs> well do on well. radio. It yeah, it's not good <laughs> interview. <laughs> it's not good for interview. What, when you moved out, where'd you go? When I moved out, like of when Kutztown. I graduated? Yeah. You kind of uh, like, you disappeared for oh, yeah. a good solid yeah. decade or I, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't even tell the people that, I, that any of the people, I was just like, I got a bus ticket to go to Indianapolis. Bye. I'm, yeah. <laughs> when you are you leaving? Gone. Oh, in three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went to um, Indianapolis and then I was in Bloomington and then from Bloomington, uh, traveled, like hitchhiked around the country, ended up going to Hawaii then back to probably oh, Oregon, Portland for a while, Vermont for a while, Milwaukee, Santa did the, Fe. Did that stress your poor old mother out? I don't think so. I mean, I, like... Because if it did, uh, we have a, an interview with her where she did almost <laughs> the exact same thing with dad, so... I, I didn't 
feel like it stressed her out that much. I mean, but as we have established, you are not tracking other I, people. I, I also probably didn't care to track. <laughs> yeah. I was a teenager for a lot of that, so mm-hmm. my, you know, I was probably even less inclined to check in with other people about what, the, what their feelings were. Where were? Um, what were you doing? Like, well, now traveling. I'm trying to think. I was about to say we missed you, but I don't even remember if I particularly missed you in those years. Do you miss people? Not generally. Yeah, me neither. I'm sure you were fine. I was, yeah. I Every was, so often I'd think, oh, I have to call home. And then I would call, like find a payphone and call collect and say hi. What was Or like a, use, a, use a calling card. I had calling cards. You got, did you get to Hawaii in that first year or what was the... Yeah. That, uh, kind right of a legend. So the legend left, back home was that you hitchhiked to Hawaii. It's true. Okay. Everything except that plane ride was a hitchhike. And the plane ride, there, there used to be this thing where you could do double standby. So you would get a ticket and then you'd just hang out at the airport until there was an empty space on the plane. Mm-hmm. Was it that thing run by that one guy who would write snippy emails back sometimes? Oh, I don't, I don't have any idea. Because I, I think you might have recommended it, and then I used it to go to Spain, and he was really like, look, man, just calm down. You're going to get on a plane to Spain. Don't worry about it. It could have been that, because it really was set up that way. They're like, no, you, you absolutely will get where we say that you're going to go. We just don't know when. Yeah, just so, stop like, emailing. Just, <laughs> just show up at the airport and like camp there for two days. You'll be fine. Yeah. They have food and water at airports. Yeah. 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 I think it was, and I think you recommended the, con- and, and it then, got me to Spain. Sure as, sure as you're right, born. Right. So instead of like spending $200 on a plane ticket, you could spend $75 on yeah, a plane ticket. Yeah. 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 But all, and all you had to do was endure two days of emailing right. some guy who didn't care. Or not. Or you got on the first plane there and yep. it was exactly as if you'd just gotten a regular ticket. Yep. 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 So what were you doing out there? Like, I, I just, I don't know that much about you. I think you made hats. And enjoyed yeah, life. Like arts and crafts and sell them to hippies and do little odd jobs. I did a lot of um, like work exchange for places to live. You know, I like remember, you do this is a true story. Mom was like, I was, I was coming of age and mother gave me my first credit card. And she said, this is for emergencies or business investments. Like if you want to buy a whole bunch of yarn to make hats, this could be used for that. But you have to sell the hats. Like she, I was maybe getting a little scolded for you on your behalf. Maybe she was just giving an example of one of the ways that I used the the card that was okay, whereas there were other ways that were not okay. When is your birthday? June 22nd. Okay. What? What? Why would I know that? Have we not established that I don't give a shit about dates and what happened when? No, I thought, I thought you were like, that was like a quiz. I was like, no, I got this. I got this. No, no, (laughs) I totally got this. Do you know my birthday? You must. August 3rd. You got it. That's the correct answer. Actually, we're, we could, we could jump into the fishbowl if you want. That's the grab of question. Yeah. Answer it. You want to pull the first one? Sure. See what happens. Let me do this without. You have been annoyingly adept at not bumping the microphone. Oh my gosh, this question is covered with coffee? Yes. There is a small story around that one. I was walking down the street and I saw that on the street and I thought, that could go in the fishbowl, couldn't it? So the question is, what was one important thing that Abraham Lincoln did? And it actually comes with an answer. Do you have a different answer than the answer written on the back? The answer is saved at the Union. That answer seems half-baked at best. 
Yeah, as does the card that it is written upon. <laughs> so in your esteem, what did what's one important thing that Abraham well, Lincoln did? I really wish that um, that I would have been able to meet Abraham Lincoln and talk to him because because all of the narratives about him aren't really coming from him at this point. So I don't know. He is as mythic uh, an American <laughs> yeah. as Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn. Yeah, I do agree with that. Actually, uh, the 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 birthday book that that I gave you, it was originally full of stories of mythic Americans and their birthdays. So if I would have read that, I would have known something mythic about Lincoln's birthday, probably. But I didn't read it. I just cut it apart. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah, I didn't do my homework. I'm just going to go with Save the Union. Okay. <laughs> I hit the, there I hit this, the thing. There it is. Do you want to, I'll ring it, my turn. What kind of flower or plant, if you were one? And for those keeping score at home, this was written by somebody who uh, English is a second language. So uh, that's why the, the grammar is a little off. Flower. Is that a, a question for me? Or yeah. You're thinking about your answer. No, no, no. This is, or anyone. There are no rules on the fishbowl. I, I've got an answer. What's your answer? Uh, bittersweet nightshade. Solanum dulcamara. It sounds like you've been thinking about. Like, I've thought about that one. That's that's one I've spent afternoons considering. Why? Why did you land on that one? Because uh, it, it's. It grows in the the strangest city places. It like breaks apart all the cement and comes up. It's got these pretty little bl- purple flowers, and I, I love the shape of the the leaves. And it's got little pointy gold center to it. And it just sort of comes up through the cracks in in the city, and it like wraps up, goes up on buildings, and all over the place. And it's really pretty. It has these bright red berries. You're like the 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 resilience of it. You're making me think of why I love uh, desert plants so much. Yeah. Like, like yeah. even even touching them lightly will injure you sometimes. Right. They're it's so like, hard. They're so... When a plant's like, yeah, no, I got this. So... No, don't, don't bother. I don't need anything else. Just... You don't even have to leave me alone. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like... I like the desert plants a lot. I thought I love... I thought I'd never find an environment that I might love as much, if not more than uh, Pennsylvania in full bloom. But I really, really like spending time in the desert and seeing those plants that uh, against all odds, despite the world's best efforts still come back. When you get a chance, like with the the desert, like we were at the mountains where it's really dry in the mountains. um, Mm -hmm. If you, if you have a chance, you notice that it rains up there and you're able to have the next day free to go up and see all the flowers or like two days or three days after it rains. Oh, it'll do they go amazing. bananas? Yeah, like they're yeah, just so excited. Yeah, will go from like nothing and then suddenly they'll, they'll be, they'll be growing things everywhere. I will. I like that. I like the mountains right after it rains. Mountain desert. There was one. That was a good bump. That was a bump. It's a bump. Do, 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 do. All right. Let's see. Oh. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to change this one a little bit. No, maybe not. Okay, the question is, what was the dumbest mistake or sneakiest thing you've done on set? And uh, on set is we can, not really covering a whole lot of my experiences in my entire life. Can we expand that to the world of stage? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. It might. It might um, well, this is both the dumbest mistake and the sneakiest thing that I've done. Maybe ever definitely having to do with the stage. That would be um, taking a giant ladder up to the somewhere way up in the roof of a theater and then dropping my best friend through the ceiling. <laughs> that was dumb and 
Sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> Question one. Did you get away with it? Were you busted? I did not get away with it. <laughs> However, there were some people involved that did get away. Uh, I totally took the fall. Okay. Uh, was there a fall? First, first of all, I guess question one should have been, was anyone took, injured? Uh, I don't think anyone was seriously injured. Okay. Um, so you went up, nobody came down at a disgraceful pace. Everybody came down at a predictable pace. Someone came down at a pace. very disgraceful pace for a very short amount, but luckily we had wrapped a chain around them. <laughs> ah. <laughs> So they could then scurry back up. <laughs> so you had some foresight. Half, you were aware of what of a bad cast, idea. Half of the cast of the high school play at this point was trying to um, find whoever made this loud crashing sound and stop them from getting away. So this was, okay, we got to back up a little bit. During a rehearsal. During for a, a rehearsal. What was the play, if I may? Uh... Um, I don't remember. It was like, it was like, you know, like high schools will do a musical and then maybe they'll do two plays in the year too. So it was one of the plays. It wasn't like a big deal musical thing. Was it one of the, like there's the high school musical, but then drama club has their own production. It was like one of the smaller things in the year. And was this after Mr. Blatt had taken over the... I the think musicals, before. like the big production. Okay. I think it was before Mr. Blatt. And okay. they're like, when they were doing cycling through directors that weren't succeeding, because they were like, how can we, how can we make anything happen when the children are so unruly? <laughs> so <clears throat> what was the impetus? What led you up this there, ladder? There was a space in the theater <laughs> <laughs> that we could not figure out how the to get The siren to. call of a space. No, really, there's there's not very much that's more mysterious and intriguing to, to I guess, like, children, bored mm-hmm. children, than, like, maybe being able to find an awesome place to hang out that's, like, super secret. Yeah. So we yeah. thought maybe we had found an awesome, super secret place. All we needed was a ladder to get to it. You all had conquered the, the band shell at the park. Like, you figured out oh, yeah. a way to get in there. Yeah. We were really good at unlocking doors mm-hmm. that should have been locked. How did you get the lockpick set? Where did that come from? That came from um, a, a, a parent's boyfriend who was a police officer gave it to me. Okay, no further questions on that. <laughs> <laughs> and the technology you were studying for picking locks in high school, does that still work today? Or have locks gotten so complicated? Like when you look at a Master lock... Master locks are the same... House locks are generally the same. They're better locks now than then. Okay. But like, if you have a regular key that only has one jagged side, that's the same as it's been for okay, okay. fifty years. And how long did it take you? Like, was it a thing that you could do in an afternoon, or was it weeks of you practicing on locks to figure out the feeling? And the person who gave me the lockpick set and showed me how to use it had me practicing on master locks. So once, once, like, if I was practicing on master locks, then it was pretty easy to feel the the tumblers how many tum- i don't really understand why somebody thought it was a good idea to give a 15 year old girl a lockpick set but you seem to i loved it it was yeah. great I, it was the I, the impulse was correct from right, but from your of, perspective right but it's sort of like so you know all those things that are illegal like breaking and entering <laughs> disregard but this this coming from the granddaughter of the author of Safe Man and Other Stories. Oh, right, right. So I did have, like, ancestral lockpickers yeah, in my... Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we have safe crackers in yeah. our family. Um, yeah, so we thought that we could um, hang out in a really cool place in the theater, and all mm-hmm. we needed was a ladder to get to that cool place. And so we got a ladder, a very large ladder, and we walked it past a lot of people. Where, where did you find this ladder? 
probably in one of the tech areas. Okay. Yeah. So like a, a big ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like schools fit- have ladders like that go two, three stories up right. to get up to the top of the gymnasium it or whatever. It definitely took two people to carry it and one other person to direct. We walked through everything that was going on with a ladder. We took it up the catwalk and nobody <laughs> sounds like a roadrunner cartoon at this point. Yes. And then we went to see if it could go in the place where we wanted to go hide. And instead of going into the, well, it did go, it, it was fine. And then my friend started climbing down the ladder and then the ladder fell through the roof and, and then we were all in trouble. Um, and there were, uh, uh, there were lots of people. <laughs> now, if the chain had not been there, what are we looking at? Like, uh, quality of life after oh. the fall. That, that, this is a, this is, this is why we got in trouble from our parents was about that aspect. Okay. <laughs> so the school handled like the logistics and your parents yeah. handled the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was like probably like a two story fall. Okay. If it would have been a fall, which it wasn't. And were you all we were, like, we were safe. We were using safety equipment. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to like did you was was it one person would go down and then you'd pull the chain back up and the next person would chain themselves up and climb no, down? No, that was or? just like like well what if this doesn't work? Well we should do something. Oh there's no rope. Let's use a chain. Okay. Yeah. At least you you yeah. had thought that far. Yeah, we were we were And if the, the thinking being if it works for one then three people or four people yeah. can do it. Was yeah. it three? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> it was only two. There were only two of us. <laughs> Curses. <laughs> Just so you know, the sheriff of Kutztown Police has put me on the case and I was trying to you get know, you. But if something like that would have happened now, there would have been police involved. Yeah. They didn't, it never even crossed anyone's mind to call the police. I miss the era of kids will be kids. <laughs> Did you ever get in trouble with the police? Did they ever pick you up or you nope. ever get a ride in, in a paddy wagon? No, nope, I have never gotten in trouble with the police in my entire life. Okay. Have you sold out any of your friends to keep that position rosy and cozy? No. I wish I had an interrogation lamp right now. I feel <laughs> that like would I'm, be fine. <laughs> I'm turning into the bad cop for no reason whatsoever. What was the question? Oh, the sneakiest. And I feel like we got to the bottom of that mystery. What ideally would you like to happen when you die? The other people to still be alive. <laughs> I mean, I, ideally, I don't die in like the. the You're not the last one. <laughs> the end of humanity. I'm really hoping something continues. Fair enough. Your turn. Where is your favorite place to hide in LA? You've been to a couple of spots. You can you can pick from the. I think I, my guess, I've got my guess. I've written it down in my head. What, what is your answer? Hmm. I like the room with the solar telescope in it. Oh, okay. Uh, my answer, what my prediction was, um, outside of LA. Oh yeah. That, that's outside of LA. Yep. But I would like to be at the solar telescope on a day when I can actually look at the sun. You'll just have to come on back now. Won't you? Oh, Three things you would tell your 15-year-old self? What advice? Okay, what was going on when I was 15? Yes. Let me try to remember that first. So was that like 10th grade? The halcyon days before driver's licenses. So I was like... So when I was 15... 
don't know. Just say you're doing great. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> you got it. I don't know. I that was a really I really liked being 15. That was fun. That was I, a good year. You always I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but you always seem to move through the world with with comfort. Yeah, I had like the, especially that when I was 15, I had the the people that that I thought were really amazing, like the the people I looked up to were also like willing to hang out with me. That was so cool. I don't think that happens to very many 15-year-olds like like that that were you were you with Gabe and Ryan at that point, or was it more Ruth and when did when did you and Mandy stop hanging out? Uh, junior high. Okay, so that's before fifteen. Yeah, you start getting like your, your so fifteen. I was hanging out with and Jamila and Ruth, Ruth and Ryan and Jamila and Karenisa, and so and I was a, a sophomore, and so then there were also the the really cool seniors that were my friends. Let's just I think we like that uh, that dichotomy of names. Really explains what Kutztown is. Ruth and Ryan, two very biblical names. (laughs) (laughs) Jamila and Karenisa, two very salt of the earth names. Um, Yeah. 15 was fun. Would you go back if you had a shot? Oh, yeah. Really? Like, I I think, like, the nostalgia I have for childhood is probably for when I was 15, 16 years old. Here's the thing. I have... All nostalgia for Kutztown, but I have no nostalgia for age. I do not ever want to be 15, 16, 17, 18. I don't want to be 25 uh-huh. again. I don't want to be 30 again. Like, I, ju- I just don't. I, I want to be in those places and feel those feelings, but I don't want yeah. to be the person that I was. And I think that is directly connected to me being kind of a shitty person, like an arrogant, mm. loudmouth, like a, a self-centered. Like, I, I'm really happy to be past those, those uh, traps of youth. There was definitely, uh, there, there were a lot of good things that I, and I have good memories and some nostalgia for. It was also, I was the most depressed of my entire life at like, not 15, but like 16 and 17. Just really felt, there were times where I felt so hopeless and so, uh, just so miserable. And it was kind of like a perpetual state thing or? I, I think it was just a biological state. Like, I think it had to do with just... That combination of, of feeling like a grown-up but not having any of the rights or responsibilities of a grown-up and not really – and, like, like having, like, whatever teenage feelings, teenage feelings, like, like amplified up to, like, 15. Like, everything yeah. was big all the time. If that's, I made a mistake, it was big. It was – That's why I don't want to go back is because I think a lot of those developmental things are as biological as they are psychological. Like if I could go back into my 15 or 16-year-old body, I could take the psychology with me, but I'd be stuck with the biology right. of that 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 body. And I don't want to go back to that. I feel like the, the, the biological development I've done in my life is I'm so grateful for it to, to think and process the way I think and process now. And I don't think I would yeah. have access to those thoughts or those processes without having the the calcified brain that I have. <laughs> yeah, it's not as I don't know. But it was good. I I don't have any advice for my fifteen year old self. She was doing just fine. She knew it was just important to survive, just get through the get through the rough parts and and enjoy the fun parts. She didn't have a problem with that. Are there enough rough parts that you can still feel that same 
the depression. Like now in my life? Yeah. And I'm not talking up days or down days, but I mean like that the the, no, the cloudy I, black. I actually think that my biology is different now. Like okay. not with like any sort of uh, choice or change of my own, but just it it's not it, it's not as uh, over the top. So like when I have dark black times now, I I understand like oh okay, you know what? I'm just going to put on some pajamas and watch a stupid movie and just say, that's enough for today. And then like my biology will make sure that that dark part is, it it passes. I just like, just give it like 20 hours. I'll be onto something else. It's fine. And it's so consistently true that, that I don't fret when I do feel down and depressed. The only part of my biology, like there's this thing that happens around nine, nine 30 that I, um, can't shake thoughts of suicide like it, it hmm. just like quickest way out of this is either going to bed or jumping off of a building mm-hmm. so i usually opt for going to bed in fact 100 <laughs> percent of the time so far <laughs> i've opted for going to bed right and so then it's then it really is biology like if it's no it's, it's clicking at a specific yeah, time yeah and- it's a very biological response to to the world um and being aware of it helps a lot and keeps me away from uh, rooftops <laughs> after eight o'clock. <laughs> huh. I think I forget what it was. I think it was this episode on, on uh, Nikita Bitch Project. You contacted me afterwards because that's the one where I did the 20 minute intro monologue about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking about suicide and thinking about doing suicide and how those are two completely different things. Yeah. And I think yeah. about it a lot, but I don't think about doing it much at all. And less and less now that um not only is Swinky in my life, but like we, we talk about the next generation and right. boy, would it be shitty to them if. Well, it's such a good question to ask people, like to ask people, do you think about suicide? Do you think about suicide every day? Do you like, it's okay to answer yes. Like, <laughs> but there, it should be okay. okay. To- I don't, I think I, I could be wrong about the medical world, but I think if the answer is yet, yeah, like if you say, I, I think about suicide every day, then they have to, there's certain procedures that have to be done the same way. Sure. Like if, yeah, if, if somebody walks in with a nail in their forehead, there's certain procedures that have to be done right. in the, response. The exact procedure is, is then to ask, well, do you have a plan? And then yes. if the person has a plan, then you say, do you have all the things that you would need in order to Fulfill your plan. Just run me through this. Yes, I do have everything I would need to fulfill my plan, and I do have an exit strategy. What ha- What's next? Well, are you planning on killing yourself? No. Okay. So we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> okay. We're good. I, I, and then I guess if I was working with somebody that, that we got to that point in the conversation, I would ask, do you have somebody that you can talk to if you decide you do want to kill yourself? Do you know who you would talk to if you decided it was, it, it was a legitimate choice today? No. No, I don't. So then, because everyone I know would try to talk me out of it, and I wouldn't want to talk to that person if it was time. Have you ever seen a counselor? No. Had a therapist in your life that you trusted? No. So that's that's like part of what I do for my job would be if I was working with somebody who answered in that way would be like finding out if if that person is interested in having a relationship with a therapist, helping them build a relationship, helping them fire therapists that don't work for them. Hopefully, with the point of like. <laughs> getting getting to getting so that you would have someone that you could talk to to actually talk about the pros and cons whose job would be to not convince you anything cuz that's what therapists do I'm highly suspicious though 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that they're going to try to talk me out. That, they, that they're going to try to make some kind of case about how it's not my right when it damn well is my right. That would be a reason to fire your therapist. Where can and you find a therapist who would say, you're right, it is time. Uh, you So you don't find a therapist who says you're right. <laughs> Go kill yourself. <laughs> but you, you, people do find therapists who who believe that it's your right to pick the thing. Like you have control of your life. The fact that you're asking about it and talking about it means you haven't decided because you're not doing it. Yes. So if you're having a conversation, their job is to stay with you in that conversation and also be, be able to like hit the like, okay, this is the panic button time. I know where this, where my client is. I'm calling 911. But that's see that, it, that's why it feels like a trick to me. Uh-huh. That's, and that's not their business. This is my body. Uh-huh. And then if, that, if there is a panic button underneath their desk, I don't want to be in the room with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Have you ever called the suicide hotline? No. You should try it sometime. No. Well, okay. I'll tell you a story. I mean, you can. You don't have to be suicidal to call the suicide hot hotline. And just say, like, what do we do? Well, yeah, yeah. I've worked what, with what? a lot of people where it's like, have you ever called the suicide hotline? And they're like, uh, no. So you can call them and they'll talk to you about what their job is. You can talk to them about, so what What if I'm walking around on my cell phone and I don't tell you, I won't tell you where I am? What would you say? You can find out all those things. They have procedures. You can, like... The, the most outreach I ever did, I was studying at Reading Area Community College mm -hmm. and I was uh, de depressed a lot of the time. Did you know I used to cut myself a bit? No. AKA a bunch? No. Okay, so it was in that era when I would, like, I'd go to the bathroom two or three times a day and I was carving up my chest quite a, quite a, mm -hmm. a fair bit. Anyway, uh, got it into my head that that wasn't, like, a healthy response to having a body, so I went to this... Oh, sure. To this, I was driving around and said, like, you know, the Reading Outreach Community Center or whatever it was. The, the it, it was a, a place for that. And I walked in and I said, like, look, I'm really having trouble and I'm really depressed. And they said, that's not what we do here. We're more for. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was the end of my my what dabbling. Were they, what were they there for? I think they were there for for junkies who were trying to get clean. Oh, oh they're like. Sweetie, this is a needle exchange. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> they didn't forward me to anyone. Do you want some condoms? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I did say like, well, where should I be going? And they said, well, we don't really know. That's not, that doesn't sound. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not our problem. Oh. So that was the beginning, middle, and end of my outreach work. Is it, I mean, am I, the, this feels like a fact to me that, that suicide is my choice. But it seems that that's not the general timbre when I talk to other people about it. So you you would probably want to find a therapist that that like dialectic behavior like DBT. Mm -hmm. So their their general background is going to be like I am not your keeper. You make all the choices for your own body. Like, that's what I, I that's how okay. I feel about life. I think everybody has the right to decide when it's over. Okay. And I'm not trying to stress you out or put a lot like I it's not really a stressful conversation for me. As we established in the first part of this. I time. have no empathy, so you know. 
I have I, compassion, and I think that that um, living is is a valuable thing. I okay. If I were to kill myself, guaranteed one hundred percent, I know Nana wouldn't get it. Ninety eight percent chance Mom wouldn't get it. One hundred percent chance Selena wouldn't get it. Would you get it? I would. I would grieve for not having you around. I would be angry because suicide always makes me angry. So I'm like, I feel like, but I don't know. I don't know what get it means. Would like, you understand like, where I was coming from? When, um, when people that I have loved have killed themselves, I don't question their reasons. I think that's what I mean. I don't feel like it's my place to question someone's reason for deciding to be dead. Just as I would hope that if for some reason I was in a position where I decided I would rather be dead, I wouldn't want other people to question that. And I think it would be ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous to question other people's decisions about that. Like it's pointless and also sort of disrespectful to human autonomy. Okay. I think... Like, I've known people who live with enormous amounts of pain every day. And that's sort of the thing. Like, when I think about suicide, that's that's the part where I understand it the clearest. Like, if somebody is is engaging in a life that has a distracting amount of pain pretty much 100% of the time, how can I decide that it's... Uh, how can I make any judgment on that? Like, how can I decide when, when enough is enough? Right. Yeah. Like where would I get off thinking? Like if I'm not, you know, like I, I'm not feeling that. So why would I make a decision of what is the right thing for them to do? Okay. Um, and that pain, not necessarily physical, like it could be any kind of like constant unpleasant, like why, you know, the, uh, the 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 pain that that gets me to those places is always existential hmm and I, that's like the, that's the one thing where i don't i don't know i don't know what existential pain like the value of existential pain is <laughs> No, but it, that's a that's but, a that's a, a turnkey thought. I think. Yeah, maybe. There is very little value in in existential pain. I do I mean, agree with it's that. It's all tied up into thoughts, and so and so finding finding a way. Like, I don't know. I don't really. I don't understand pain. Um, I I don't. I don't have the opportunity to experience a whole lot of pain. So I don't. I don't understand it from a personal perspective. The way people who the way a lot of other people do. But it sounds like you had a fair, a fair bit of experience with it in high school to, to have the, 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 the deep depression and the, the, like the, the acidic reaction to your environment that you needed to be away from that. That sounds tantamount to pain the way you described it. All of the pain that I've felt in my life has been temporary. That's true. All of it has has consistently gone gone away, and even if it was overwhelming in the moment, it's not that long duration. So I really can, in in my experience of pain, like emotional pain, physical pain, 
all the types of pain that I have experienced, I can say, give it like mark it on a calendar. Give yeah. it, give yeah. it yeah. Yeah. A, spreadsheets. A, don't lie a month. Give it a week. Give it a, an hour. Like mm-hmm. a, a panic attack is, is miserable to have. Like I, sometimes I'll have a panic attack and I, I'm sure that I'm going to be dead. And, and you know, the thing that works for that is like, okay, well, what time is it? Oh, it's 623. All right. Check at 643. Do you still feel like you are going to be dead? Mm-hmm. And then, then all I have to do is pay attention to these out external time markers. And because it's biological and because things reset the way they do in me, I, it's okay. Like I can be in that space and get through it. Okay. But I know that other people have, have pain that doesn't work the way mine does. And yes. they can't say, you know. And there are folks who can mark the calendar and say, well, this is 100% of my adult life yeah. that yeah. has been this way. Yeah. And, and then and they can, they, uh, there are people who can say, you know, what, 90% of the last 10 years of my life, I've been feeling the same pain. I have tried 300 different ways to deal with it. None of that has worked. I'm tired of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Um, and it can still break my heart when somebody kills themselves and someone is dead. Like those two things don't contradict each other at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like supporting somebody, like believing that humans have autonomy. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, being hurt by it. And <laughs> those yeah. are different things. Well, I think that that does actually answer my question, which wasn't like, would you go without grieving? Would it not mm-hmm. be frustrating? Those weren't the questions. The question was, would you get it? Would you understand where I was coming from? And it sounds like you would. The, the only thing that it might be different is because you're my brother. And I haven't had someone that is that close to me make that choice. And this is, this. I think we might be landing on my, as a person, the greatest source of frustration inside of me is that the average person doesn't feel this way that I do about suicide. That it's, I, it's a very lonely place to look at life and death through this lens. That's yeah, my- that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense because the number of people that I've just through, through the different jobs that I've had where I, where I've talked to people about suicide and I might be the first person they've ever talked to that, that is like, hands down my belief is that a human makes their choices about whether to be alive or not. Most like people, I'm going to fall on the side of stay alive because yeah. I really think that like whatever it is that's going on, either it's biological, you'll find something else. Like there's, there's treasure in the world to discover. There's, there's love, there's connection, there's beauty, there's creativeness, there's like loss, there's, you know, all of these different things we feel like there's no guarantee that we get to feel anything once we decide we're done. Yes. Like there's no guarantee on like the, as long as we're alive, there's going to be more. Yes. <laughs> if we're, if we're dead, there might not be more. Yeah. <laughs> and, and eventually we're all going to be dead. It's not like there's like a What's way to just rush? like, we can't avoid that. So. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's just, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for suicide. I'm not, this is not an outreach. Obviously, these are thoughts that have been in my head for over three decades. We're coming mm-hmm. on a fourth decade now. Um, and we're still here. Like, I'm still, I'm still plucking through those thoughts actively. I've had, I've had sort of, it's like an opposite of suicide distress. So, 
like I have nightmares sometimes of losing senses or like being in a coma or losing my ability to create long-term memories and, and will over and over come to the conclusion in these nightmares that I would rather be alive than dead, no matter how horrible being alive is. And that is sort of scary to me. So like, I would rather be trapped in a body where I cannot hear or talk or see or feel variety mm-hmm. or remember, like I'll have, I'll have dreams where like I'm waking up in a hospital bed and, and I feel like I don't understand what's going on. And everybody is just like very clearly like they've explained it a million times already. And, and like, or, or dreams that I'm in a hospital bed and I can't move or I can't communicate. And every single time I come to the conclusion that I would rather be alive in whatever kind of pain and isolation mm-hmm. than dead. So that's like the opposite of, thinking about suicide. It's like the, the contemplation of life without all of the things that I love. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Or like dreams where like my entire family and everybody I love is dead and I'm on my own and I have to survive and I'm like dying of, of like radiation poisoning and I still will fight to stay or sur- to survive in that. And I don't give up. And it's like, it's the opposite of being like my, my mind wants to just survive regardless of the hurt. Yeah. That's like my, my version of nightmare always (laughs) Um, suffering the cruelties of, of uh, human war and torture and choosing to live and choosing to fight. I don't know. And don't, don't, don't get the impression that I don't, I don't think you do, but I'm not, I don't feel bleak or dismal or that the world is hopeless. Like none of that has any bearing on any of this. It's just a watch. It's just an alarm clock that goes off every day. (laughs) The world like is beautiful and amazing. And as long as we're here, we can make it even better, which is insane. Um, so uh, there aren't, it's, it's hard to find people to talk to about these things. It's much more common for folks to shut down the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And to respond with, with like the, the, gut-wrenching venom that should be present in all living creatures if uh if um dr evolution what was his name uh darwin (laughs) if darwin was right there should be a a bone marrow level disgust towards self-termination okay right like the same kind of disgust that we may have upon like lifting up a a bored and finding maggots yes but we don't have that yeah yeah in the same way that that uh like darwinism doesn't account for homosexuality if the only purpose we exist is to pass on our genes but obviously that's not the end of the conversation it's a that's a very myopic way to frame the experience of a living organism is whether it squares with uh with uh, theories of evolution that can be compacted down to two or three sentences. So years and years ago, I was, I remember talking with a, a friend who was talking about killing himself. And um, I remember just sort of like listening and having questions and just having this conversation. It was like a late night conversation. And at the end I, I was like, so this is, this is, I think my opinion about suicide. I was like, okay. It's like, okay, friend, like if you decide that you're going to kill yourself, can you please let me know 
so that your family doesn't have to be the one that finds you. Cause that's, that's the part, like when it came down to it for me, mm-hmm. it's not like, like it's not that I'm supporting or not supporting my friends right to kill themselves. I'm just like, dude, let someone know who's willing to take that. Yeah. And take that instead of it being someone who loves you the way your family loves you. Yeah. 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 Don't have them be the one that finds your body. Like, like think it through and have a plan so that there's like some other intermediary because that's just going to scar people you love more than necessary for what you're trying to accomplish. Those intermediaries are so vital because like one of the things I'll land on if it gets heavy one night is like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to make Selena have to explain this to Steve and Dan. Like that's not going to be any fun (laughs) Uh for her at all. But the other thing is that having that having that conversation about the intermediary, it's like it takes it out of the person's isolation. Yeah. Because they're like like isolation is pretty deadly. Like that that it's not. And that's the like, same thing. Like yeah. Jesus, Selena. Like I, I'm out of my I'm out of isolation at that point. I don't exist in a vacuum anymore. There's like I have to start thinking about the ripple effect yeah. it'll have to other yeah. people whose days I really don't want to complica- complicate. Right. And if someone's only alive in order to not complicate the li- the lives of those people that they love, I think that's fine. <laughs> I think that's legitimate. I'm alive for other reasons too. But I mean, in those dire moments, yeah, like in the yeah. darker, the darker nights, it's just like thinking about the logistics of it. Like that's really that common. She, she's that's old really, enough. Who cares? Like that's th- really, really common for people who, who struggle with suicidality. It's very, very, very common. The logistics. The, the like, well, I've, you know, the only reason I I'm not doing this is because of, the people I care about, like the logistics, the, and, uh, the, the, not, the, not me. Like I, you know, which, which is, you know, a, a temporary fix. Cause like you can't just live your life for somebody else. Nobody, nobody ends up really doing that. No, it's well, just, but. it's just enough to buy me the time to, till I can get to bed. <laughs> you just have to get from nine to nine thirty to yeah. ten thirty. That's all. <laughs> I'm half an hour from home. I'll just not drive into that tree. Uh, and then the, like you have to die like, face first. And I don't know, mom doesn't care about an open casket or anything, but like the, the just, oh wow, yeah, you're really thinking it through. No, it's you. It's every day for yeah, a lifetime. You Eventually, not? you're gonna get to logistics. Yeah. <laughs> try thinking of the. I was gonna say try thinking about toothbrushing, but I do that every day, and I do not think about the logistics of toothbrushing. So how would you kill yourself? Oh, jumping from a high surface face plant. It would, yeah. That seems like the how how high do you think is necessary in order to avoid like something like you know fifth floor or above paralyzation? I really look. I've read Clockwork Orange. I know what happens when you oh, jump yeah, out clockwork. of the third floor window. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fifth or above. How specific do you want to get? Sometimes when I feel really emotional, I think it would be it would be better for me to just jump out in front of a, a truck. Mm-hmm. than to feel all the things that I'm feeling right now. And then, and then I, I sort of walk myself back from that idea. I'm like, so, you, so do you just want to feel like a strong sensation? Cause there are lots of other ways. To- but also you haven't cured the world of everything you're feeling. You just give it to the truck driver in that moment. <laughs> this is dark. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk German. (laughs) 
Hold on, we have a music cue for that if you want it. Ja! Ich bin einen Frau, du bist mehr Kutztown. You can get rid of one thing you hate about the world, but you have to give up one thing you love. What do you choose? That's a really, that's one of those questions that's just so, sort of abstract to me. Well, like, there's a lot of wiggle room in that. Like, I could like say that I, I love Snickers bars mm -hmm. and I hate fascism. All right, fascism. you can keep it, like, really. <laughs> keep the love very surface and the hate very. Yeah, I think, like, it, it, it gets into the wishes thing. Like, wishes mm -hmm. don't really work well. Like, it's a, that's, that's, like, this is the kind of magic that I believe in. Like, if you, if you, if you wish something away, it's not necessarily going to work to your advantage. That's why all those stories about wishes, things go wrong. Because they're teaching people, like you don't just you don't just get to say, "I'm giving this one thing up," and and I want this one thing. Like mm -hmm. everything is in a network. Everything's in some sort of like cause and effect system. So if I say, like, "Oh, I wish," I don't know, I wish there was no more. I can't even think of anything horrible. There's so much horrible that I can't think of anything specific. Anyway, just the idea that like wishing something away, it doesn't fix the system. The system is, it, 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 it's alive. And so anything that leaves or anything that gains is going to be counterbalanced by other things. So you yeah. can't just get rid of bad and you can't just add good. You can't get rid of good or add bad. It's like, yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. all a system that's always moving. Yeah, you So can it's make... always dangerous to like cut something out of a system, like suicide. Like yes. It's dangerous because you're cutting something out of a, a system completely and irrevocably. Like if we were to abolish suicide, if, if it was physically impossible for humans to kill themselves is what you're saying. Yeah, it wouldn't actually make the world any better. Or, or like wishing that everybody was just fine with suicide and that, that like we accepted it as a, that wouldn't make things better or worse either. Like, I don't know. No, the pushback is a vital part of yeah. the experience of, of... It's the meaning, like the meaning doesn't come from the good thing or the bad thing. The meaning is like just there. Let us do one segment that we're going to do for all families, and that is call up Swinky and talk to her on the phone. So first, before we do that, we have to play the music to see if she's on the line. Okay. So this is, okay, let me dial it in and see if she's around. Everybody now hold somebody and tell them that you love them. I love you. Lift your hands together and praise the Lord. Hi, Swinky. Are you are you up online? Are you here? Hi. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I can't be there, but at least we have this satellite uplink. No, it is good. It is good to have you on. Well, um, you are here with my my living sister Emily. But th that was a strange quantifier. <laughs> I'm the living sister, All Emily. All my sisters are living. <laughs> so I was wondering if you wanted, if you had a couple of questions for Emily that you wanted to ask her before we round out this this interview. So how's your life? My life is wonderful. It mm -hmm. makes me happy. Where do you want to be in five years? I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. You are interesting. <laughs> 
What's your dream? What do you What do you really want? That's a good question. What is your dream? I'm stumped by that one. Yeah. Sort of snarky. Who have jogging outfits and they have sunglasses and caps and they run and look LA. That's a good dream. That's not mine, but it's a good dream. Mm -hmm. I'm asking because Pew is turning into one and I'm trying to find out if it's something that happens once you land in LA. I, I would like to, to just, just for the record, I haven't seen that version of him at all while I've been on vacation here. None of mm. that has happened. You're interesting. Do you have friends? Yes. Do you have friends? Yes. Real friends. Yes. Friends who support you and listen to you when you're sad and celebrate with you when you're successful? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take five-minute showers to save water because L.A. is a desert? I, I actually take really short showers at home or really long showers. So my showers are like 30 seconds to a minute or long. You're interesting. It's true. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone Swear bills? Can you pay what, my automobile bills? I don't think you do. No, so I don't. you want me here through. <laughs> I guess this call is over, Swinky. I hope we haven't offended you. <laughs> this is so <laughs> surreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, Swinky, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, we're done? Yeah, we're done. Okay, all right. Thanks for having me. Love you, bye. 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 Thank you so much for coming on the Fishbowl, Swinky. All right, are you ready to wind down? Yeah. If ever there was an episode that needed that refresh, I think it's this one. Two friends. Real friends. Real friends. I'm so glad that I was able to say yes. I would have started crying if I didn't. <laughs> no, she was really pressing you on that. She did not take yes for an answer. I'm glad. I, yeah, I'm glad that I felt confident. Like, I, there's no question in my heart or in my mind. Yeah. I have friends. But if, if there was a question, I would be no, crying right that, now. She could have broken you down. I'm so glad that you, you made it through that gauntlet of questions. It was easy. I was just telling the truth. <laughs> All right, let's 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 wind it down by playing our goodbye music, and I'll say my outro. Is that okay? Sure. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl, and I've been your host, Jesse Kester. I will continue to be Jesse Kester as long as I live. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on the World Wide Web, which abbreviates to www. HollywoodFishbowl.com. If you are more prone to the Twitters and the Instagrams, we are at HWFishbowl. But as we all know, it's not about us. It's about our guest, Emily. If people liked what they heard, where can they find you? Well, I live in upstate New York in Ithaca. So that's a good place to start. That would be a good place to start. (laughs) I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. All right. So I'm not sure how you'd find me. You could write into the Hollywood Fishbowl, and um, if it seemed like a rational thing to do, we would make the introduction for you. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, the person who wants to talk to you could... You can't write in and ask for people to <laughs> call you. <laughs> Jesse, I need some more friends. I Actually, thought I had friends, but then they listened to that episode, and they were like, Emily, we're not that kind of friend. 
actually, I suppose you could. If you if you wrote me and said I need some people to call me and spread, <laughs> I, I could find someone for you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Hey. Yes. Oh, you have one more. No, that's okay. It. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you as as a family member, as a friend, and as a guest. In that order. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>